First Peter chapter two, verse number eighteen. The Bible says, "Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but to the poor. For this is thankworthy if a man, for conscience towards God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully." For what glory is it if we be buffeted for your faults? You shall take it patiently. But if, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even here too, now I want you to listen to this statement. This is an amazing statement to me. For even here unto, in other words, what he's already said in verse 18, 19, and 20. For even hereunto were you called. In other words, this goes beyond a command. This is what you and I were called to be. Because why? Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Father, I pray you'd speak to us through your word and by your spirit for your glory in Jesus' name. And all God's children said... You may be seated. Thank you so much. Well, as you know, we've already looked at uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2, and we saw this glorious salvation that we have that even the angels desire to know more about. The prophets of Old Testament desire to know more about. And then we saw that this salvation, what it made us, and we saw at the beginning of chapter 2 how it made us a holy priesthood, a chosen priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And then we began to look last week at what that looks like lived out. We saw it last week in the idea of submission, which carries on to this week. Submission to what? The authorities that God has sovereignly placed over us. Remember from last week? Guess what? It is God that puts the kings in office. And so you and I are to submit to them. Remember, as long as it doesn't go against us disobeying the Word of God. And then to this morning, we're going to look at a second component of this submission. Now, as I said last week, I'm going to say it again. Submission is the key word for the believer in Scripture. Because true salvation will always result in true submission. Submission first to the Lord, and then horizontally, as we submit to the Lord vertically, horizontally we'll submit to those that God has placed over us. Now, here's the thing. When he begins in verse 18, he deals with a cultural item of that day. And he says, servants be subject to your masters. Now, in that day, there was something going on that where there would be masters or heads of the homes that would have servants that would serve under them. Um, in our modern-day vernacular, we would use this term as slaves. But this was what was going on in that day. And what was taking place is there were those of these servants that were coming to the saving knowledge of Christ, some through their masters, some through other means, and they began to develop a mindset that they do, they now, because they were saved, could now claim their rights against their masters. And 
Peter is writing this and saying, now wait a minute. Submission is what is the outflow of who you are in Christ and what Christ has done in you. Now remember, who he's writing to have been greatly persecuted here. And so he's writing to these that are being greatly persecuted. And he says, now wait a minute, we're to submit to the authorities that God has placed of us, but at the same time, we're to submit to those who we serve. Now, in a modern day vernacular, let me make this application. Employee to employer would be a modern day understanding of this application. So I want you to look at a few things here. The first thing is the command of submission. This is imperative in the Greek text. He says, servants, be subject to your masters. In other words, it's not an optional thing. It's a commanded thing. The word rich subject here is the same word used for wives submit yourselves unto your husbands. It's a word that simply means to place yourself under that authority. And so what he's saying here, he's given this command. And this command, listen, that talks about a mindset of submission. Let me tell you something. You're not going to submit to those that God has placed over you. How many agree today that whatever job you have, if you're saved today, whatever job you have, you better have prayed and make sure God put you in that job. All right, so if God puts you in that job, did God know who your boss was going to be before he got you there? So submit. I mean, that's what the admonition is. Submit to your those that God has placed above you. And this is a mindset that has to be created. It's in the passive, which means what? God has to work on your behalf to cause this to be reality. And you say, why is that? Because there is a selfless recognition that has to take place. Now, I want you to hear me today. Nothing about your flesh or my flesh wants to submit to anybody we don't agree with. I mean, I'm just telling you. Listen, we live in a day today, we hear very little about sacrifice and submission. Here's what we hear today, claiming your right. So in other words, what we hear today is, hey, you are free, you're in a free country, you need to claim your rights. Well, I got news for you. If you're saved today, you're free to obey God. And to obey God is to submit to who God has allowed you to be under. And so this is what he's saying here. And it takes a selfless recognition, this mindset of selflessness. Because if your focus is on self, Here's what's going to happen. You're going to get easily offended, easily angered, and easily defensive. I'm not going to say where it was, but I was in a place last night getting a sandwich. And one of the employees got mad at something that was going on behind the counter. And she walked out and she said, can I help you? This is my last day. I'm quitting. I'm tired of this. I went, boy, that'll bless you. <laughs> I was afraid to ask for the sandwich. I didn't know what she put on. <laughs> it's a true story. It's happened last night. So what this is saying is the opposite of that. Because there has to be a selfless. We just sung, you're crucified with Christ. You're dead to who you are. You're alive to who he is. That's what it means to be selfless. To where you don't claim your own rights. You don't, listen, 
How many of you agree today if you're saved, you already got far more than you deserve? So anything else is gravy. So why do we get out of, bent out of shape when we don't get our way? Y'all say amen. I'll tell you why. It's called self. It's called pride. And so here's what he's saying. He said there is a selfless recognition that has to take place. Now, I want you to look real quick with me at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 in verses 5 through 8. He gives this admonition in a little more detail. Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus, and he says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and what? Trembling. In singleness of your heart, and unto Christ, as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with God, with good will doing service, as to the Lord and not to men. Singleness of heart, fear and trembling. And so there's this selfish recognition, selfless recognition that has to take place. But there's a sure recognition that has to take place. Watch what he says. Subjects be subject to your masters with all fear. Now you say, preacher, are you saying I to go work Monday and I'm to fear my boss? No, that's not what this is saying. You are to be subject to those that God has allowed you to be under for what purpose? Out of a heart that you know there's a surety. And you say, what is that surety? That you ought to be very, very, very conscious that you're going to stand account before the Lord for how you are in your workplace. And therefore, with great fear, with great reverence, with great understanding, I'm to submit to the ones God has placed over us. Now you say, well, preacher, you know, I just have a whole different mindset towards things than the one God's placed over me. Well, can I tell you something? If it doesn't cause you to disobey the word of God, get over it. Now, if it, if listen, if your boss asks you to do something illegal or something that goes against the convictions that are clearly mandated in the Word of God, that's a whole other subject. Are y'all hearing me say amen? But here's the reality. This is essential. Why? Because it shows forth who we really are. How does the world know that we're submitted to the Lord if we don't submit to the authorities the Lord's put over us? This is what he's saying here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. Listen to what it says. Let as many servants that as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Why? That the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Is that not a strong statement? I mean, so in other words, when I, when I, go against what my boss asked me to do that does not go against the Word of God, may go against my preference, but don't go against the Word of God, then here's what's happening. What I'm really saying is, God, I just don't like the job you put me in, and I don't like who you put over me. And so you think that you're going against that boss. No, you're really not. You're going against God. 
Because it's God that put you there. Now, you say, well, it, it, then I want God to move me. Well, you asked him to move you. But just rem be reminded, he may move you to a place that's even worse. See, here's what we don't understand. Our jobs are not singly for our financial well-being. Every job for a child of God is your mission field. God places you there as a missionary. In that place, in that particular plant or, or job or hospital or whatever it may be, that is where God placed you. Why? Not that he needed to provide for you. Hey, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He could provide for you a thousand different ways. The Bible does say you don't work, you don't eat. I understand that. And God wants us to work. But folks, listen to me. God can open up any door at any job at any time for anybody. But God placed you there. Why? It's your mission field. You're an ambassador for Christ. In front of your boss, in front of the, those you work with, and everybody else. And your submission is key to this. Now, this is the mindset of submission that God's got to create in every one of us. But notice the magnitude of this submission. Watch what it says. Servants be subject to your masters all fear, not only to the good and gentle. In other words, how many of you got bosses that are just good to you? All right, we got 10 people in this whole sanctuary that's got a good boss. All right, you say, well, I'm self-employed. I'm good to myself. I understand. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. None of us are self-employed. We're all under his authority. All right, now watch this. Not only the good and gentle, not only those that are good to you, but also to the forward. Now, what's this word forward mean? It's a Greek word that means unreasonable, curved, crooked. You ever had somebody that's just unreasonable to work with? How do they know there's something different about you? Hey, you can carry these truths over into family dynamics too. But he says here, this is the magnitude of submission. It's just not me submitting to the ones I agree with. It's me submitting to even if I don't agree with. Now, again, I'm going to put the caveat in here one more time, and then I'm not going to say it again. That does not include if someone asks you to do something that goes against the confines of the Word of God. But this, this is the magnitude of this. Now, notice secondly, not only the command of sub submission, but I want you to see the consciousness in submission. Watch what he says in verse 19. For this is thankworthy. What's thankworthy? This. What's this? Submitting to your master with all fear, not only the good and gentle, but also to the forward. This is thankworthy. What's this word thankworthy mean? Hey, let me tell you something. Are y'all sitting down? Say amen. All right, I just want to make sure. Translated grace 130 times. Here's what it reads. This is grace. How many of you are glad for the grace of God? How many of you are glad that if you're saved today, you experience the grace of God? How many of you are glad God saved you in spite of you? How many of you are glad today that God saved you knowing everything about you? How many of you are glad today you couldn't earn it, you couldn't merit it, and you sure wasn't worthy of it? How many of you agree God did it anyway? Well, can I tell you something? 
How does your boss know that you're a recipient of that grace? This is grace. This is grace expressed. This is grace manifested. This is grace seen. Hey, this is grace being testified about. This is grace. Now, how many agree? It takes grace, the enabling power of God for you to even walk in this. But yet grace manifests itself in you, through you. And now all of a sudden, guess what? Those around you begin to see something of you that is so opposite of their own flesh. Because how many agree? Our flesh, a lot of times, would just like to stand up and call it blessed. You say, what do you mean by that? Give them a piece of my mind. I've got rights. No, you don't. You gave them up when God saved you. You say, where do you find that in the Bible? The Bible says you're not your own. You're bought with a price. And so here's the reality. The reality is that there's a consciousness in this submission. And this word grace, it means to find favor, to find grace, to manifest this grace. But then notice the motivation of this grace. So how does this happen? If a man for conscious toward God endures grief, suffering, and wrongfully. What does this mean? It means that you have a awareness continuously and all the time into the presence of God in your life. Let me ask you a question today. If you're saved today, does the Lord live in you? Where you go, where does He go? The Bible says where two or three meet together, He's in the midst. Why is that? Now, I can get in the context of that. It don't mean what we think it means, but I'm not going to do that right now. But here's, here's why. Because if he's in you and in me, we come together, guess where he is? Well, can I tell you something? When you go to work, if you're saved today, he's there. You see, if we walk in a moment-by-moment motivation of a consciousness of his presence, his, his presence in us and through us, then here's the reality. It'll alter how we respond and it'll alter how we react. Because let's just be honest today. To not submit to the authorities God has put over us is because we don't respond right and don't react right. Can I tell you how you know who you really are? Or where you really are with your walk with the Lord? Let somebody rub you the wrong way. And what is your immediate response? Without having time to think about it, without having the time to take... Hey, listen, you, you may find this shocking, okay? Y'all with me? Say amen. When someone rubs you the wrong way, I promise you, you're probably not going to have time to say, well, give me about 30 minutes and start opening the Word and start reading the Word. And then coming back and say, all right, now I can respond. That's not the way Christianity works. Christ lives in you that He can live through you and out of you. You say, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. You become so conscious of His presence that He has such control over you and you've yielded and submitted yourself to Him in such a way that He controls your emotions and He controls your will and He conquers who you are. 
And because you experience grace, you respond in grace. I mean, listen, this is an amazing little passage. And so, so what do we find here? We find the command in submission. We find the consciousness in submission. But let me show you thoroughly the communication of submission. Look at verse 20. He says, for what glory is it when you are buffeted for your faults? You shall take it patiently. In other words, if I did something wrong and I get punished for what I've done wrong and I say, you know, I deserve that, I did wrong, hey, you did good to admit you did wrong. Would you agree with that statement? But how many agree those that are lost around you are going to say, well, wait, they deserve that. They did it. But watch, that's not the testimony of glory. But this is. But if when you do well and you suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. In other words, you're mistreated. And you didn't do anything to deserve it. And instead of responding in flesh and anger, you respond in grace. Let me ask you a question here. How many of you in this room, by raising your hand, have ever been mistreated? All right, some of y'all just flat lying. I'm going to try this one more time. How many of y'all have ever been mistreated? Okay. We all have. See, the question is not, are we going to be mistreated? Listen, lost people are mistreated. Let's just be honest. So what's the context here? Being mistreated because of your faith. You didn't do anything wrong. So what do I do, preacher? I respond in grace. Is there anything anybody can do to us that was worse than what we did to Christ? No. Aren't you glad today that Christ in response to our rebellion responded in grace and not judgment? There's coming a day he's going to respond in judgment. Why? Because the day of grace will be over. And so, this is the testimony of glory. But notice the trophy of grace here. You take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. All right, now listen to me. You see that word acceptable there? Y'all see that? Say amen. All right, you remember the word thankworthy in verse 19? Same Greek word. So in verse 19, this is grace. Verse 20, this is the grace of God. This is the favor of God upon your life that you could respond in a proper manner. This is God's grace at work. In your life and in my life. Matthew chapter 5 verse 10. The Beatitudes. Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteous sakes. 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when man shall revile you and persecute you and shall say manner of evil against you for my sake. Rejoice! Wait a minute! Do what? Rejoice! And be exceedingly glad. Preacher, you've lost your mind. No. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So how can I actually live in this? I mean, have you agreed? God gave these beatitudes in a way that he knew with his life, his spirit, we ought to be able to live in the reality of it. How can I rejoice when I'm being persecuted? People speaking against me what's not true about me. How can I rejoice and be exceedingly glad? Because see, your focus is not on what you lose or gain here. Your focus it's what's yet to come. Because your reward is coming. If your focus is here, not only will you not rejoice and be exceedingly glad, you'll come up, rise up. You ever seen somebody get mad? I mean, it's funny sometimes. I mean, you can just see them start getting mad. It's like, a, it's like a thermostat. I mean, it starts right here and the red just starts going up. But where's our focus at? I spend my physical years of my life here. Whatever those years are. I'm 57 today. I may live, live to be 58. I may live to be 78. I may live to be 88. But even if I live to be 88, you compare 88 years to eternity. And yet we put our focus on what's here and not what's to come. And so we get easily offended. And easily been out of shape. Let me close with fifthly the call to submission. Verse 21. For even hereto were you called. The word called is in a passive means God supernaturally has called you to what? To submitting to those that not only do you good, but those that don't do you good. you agree if you're saved today, God called you? This is in the same context. What did God call me to when he saved me? Submission to him first and submission to those around me that God split over me second. You say, preacher, I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I signed up for when I made a profession of faith. I'm sorry. But if you're saved, that's what you got called to. It's a sovereign invitation of God. 
God called you to be submissive. God called you to be dead to self, but alive unto Him. But there's a supernatural implication here. Christ also suffered for us. You say, preacher, this just don't seem fair to me. Let me ask you a question. Did Christ commit any sin? No. Did He bear your sins on a cross for you in obedience to the Father? Was that fair? So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying God's not commanding anything of us that His Son did not submit to, but even in a greater fashion than you and I will ever have to submit to. And you say, well, preacher, I can't do it. You're right! That's the reason Christ has got to do it in you. There's a supernatural implication that only Christ can supernaturally work this in your life and in my life. And then lastly, a specific identification. Leaving us an example that you should follow in His steps. Now, I'm not going to unpack this last one because that's tonight's time. And I want to, listen, I get excited about messages sometimes. Y'all ever figure that out? I can't wait till tonight. Because tonight we're going to unpack this example of Christ, what it literally looks like in verses 22 through verses 25. And you're going to find out exactly what Christ did for you. And what makes Him the example of submission. Now, I want to make a couple statements I'm done. If you're here today and you're lost, not only is this impossible for you, But you're probably sitting there saying, I wish this man would get done so I can get out of here. Because this goes against every fiber of your flesh. Only those that are saved are even going to have an inkling of a desire to walk in this. Much less have the ability to walk in it. And you say, well, preacher, I've been in church all my life and I've never heard this. Well, it's been right here the whole time. Child of God, I want you to hear me. You can be saved and still find yourself not walking in there. And you say, why is that? Because if you're having trouble submitting to Him who saved you, died for you, one day you'll stand before in judgment. And if you're saved, one day he'll come and get you. If you can't submit to him, what makes you think you're ever going to submit to somebody you disagree with? So here's what I'm saying to you. It may be the reason you're having struggles with this 
is there something out of kilter with you and the Lord? Here's what I want to ask you to pray. Father, is there anything in my life that right now you're willing to make clear to me that I'm not submitted to you in? Because, Father, I know I can never walk in obedience to your clear mandate of your word to submit to those that are above me if I'm not submitted to you first. If God showed you anything, what about finding yourself on your knee, confessing that and saying, Lord, I'm sorry that I've not submitted to you in this area of my life. Work this in me for your glory. Father, have your will and your way in this invitation. Father, I'll thank you and I'll praise you. In Jesus' name.